Good morning. So many exciting things happening at Grace. That Grace Path has been a work for the last few years to now bring that together. So excited what God is going to do through that. Also, I want to invite you tomorrow night, a book launch party, and it's here at 7 in the chapel, or you can join online. And I say this to encourage you. Uh, God guided me a couple years ago to start writing this book, and that's not something that comes natural to me. And if God has led you to do something and is in something that's difficult, know that God does call us to difficult things. And as he does that, continue to pray and persevere. And it's been a process the last couple years. But we're at this point, which is uh, the book launch. And in the chapel tomorrow night at 7 or online. And a couple of things to note. First of all, there's no money coming my way. That question comes up with books, right? I want no money. I'm not interested. I'm not... All of it goes to grace. So let's just clear that one up. And then why this book? Because our God is the source of all hope. The Bible tells us he's the God of all hope. And I like to say that hope because of God is available and personal and relational. Hope is also habitual and God's hope is indestructible. And would you agree we need God's hope? Would you agree? Think about it this way, not only worldwide and global and national right now, uh, as you look at statistics and what's happening from suicide to overdose on drugs to just people wandering in their faith, but personally, think about this habit that you can cultivate. Every one of us has thousands of thoughts a day, and how many of those thoughts are connected with fear or anxiety and worry or selfishness or impure or have some resentment or lies We just are bombarded with that. And what does the Bible say? Whatever's true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy, think about these things. That we can cultivate because God empowers us to think about these things. The Bible also says, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Either it said your thoughts will take you captive or you take your thoughts captive and bring them to Christ. So that's a little flavor for what's going on. But the power of the second thought tomorrow night, if you want to join us, be honored to have you and uh, excited where God's going to take it. It's a book that's saturated with scripture and uh, where God's going to take his word through that book launch. Today we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and in this series, Connected, we are making shifts, taking steps to be aligned with God and his word, to live out our faith, and to be connected together. And one of the key words when you think about connected is the word with. We don't get connected alone, we get connected with, with God, with other people, with God is calling us to do. And today in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to start in verse 14, talking about how we are connected with affirmations, with affirmations. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for being our healer and our strength, our joy. God, thank you for guiding us. Jesus, you're our good shepherd, your light. God, we thank you for it in a dark world, and your word is a light into our path. God, we want to walk forward, not sideways or backwards. We want to walk by faith, together, connected, and open our ears, God, to hear your voice today. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. In a culture full of rebellion, confusion, and comparison, we need affirmation. Affirmation is to declare something that's true. And to declare it as true, we need God's affirmation. We've got a lot of people saying a lot of things, but we need to hear the Lord's voice. Today, as we walk through scripture, 
It's gonna be a time for you to let God's word sink in deeply and for myself as well. That not only in our minds would we know the scripture, but it would sink into our hearts, into our very souls. As Paul writes to the Corinthians, they are kind of struggling in their faith in many areas, and he challenges them, but there's also other areas where he comforts them. And as you open up the Bible, you'll see God challenges us and he comforts us. The tone of today's verses and this passage is a tone of comfort. It's a tone that we want to receive. God's word is full of affirmations. God wants us to not only hear but receive his affirmations. That's why he repeats them throughout scripture. And sometimes we're busy and worried and sometimes we're distracted and we don't really let his affirmations sink in. But to grow deeper in our faith, we're gonna need God's promises, his peace, his affirmations and his confirmations in our life. And the word and the Holy Spirit always working together. I also encourage you with this habit that's often overlooked. Memorize scripture, meditate on scripture. That's when the word of God starts to marinate. That's when it dwells in you richly. Spend some time. There might be some verses today that stand out. Highlight those in your Bible. Start to take some time to memorize and meditate on scripture because God's voice just becomes clearer and clearer the more time you spend in the word. What was true in Corinth is true today. We need a deep work of God, a transformative work, and it comes through his voice, his spirit, aligning us with heaven, connecting us with him, with each other in the body, and also receiving his affirmations and his confirmations as he leads us. Today, we're gonna focus on three strong affirmations from scripture to receive that are gonna strengthen in your walk with God. The first one is security. Security because you already belong. Because of Jesus, you already belong. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 14. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. Talking about belonging in the body, the body of Christ. Feet, you belong. Eyes, you belong. Ears, you belong. Don't try to be someone else. You belong in the body. As you read scripture, there's the metaphor, the body of Christ. Jesus is the head and we are the body together. One body, many parts. That's the truth about the body of Christ. Now, what happens in our experiences, sometimes we come up with division, don't we, that God doesn't want. Or we have a lot of denominations, and we make denominations a really big deal. Or we try to divide and dismantle parts of the body, and we say things we shouldn't say. But the truth is, it doesn't change the fact we are one body. There are lots of local expressions around the sound. That's a good thing. It takes a lot of different churches to reach a city. It takes a lot of different people mentoring you to be more like Christ. And globally, there's a wide range of expressions in the body of Christ. But don't miss that we are one body in Christ. Jesus doesn't have five bodies in the sound. He doesn't have a hundred bodies globally. No, there's one body, and that's the emphasis talking to the Corinthians. 
I like this phrase. Some phrases that are repeated a lot, you kind of get tired of them. I can't get enough of this one. In terms of your identity, my identity, know who you are and know whose you are. Know who you are, and then more importantly, know whose you are, that you belong. The echo of God's word is so powerful in our souls. We're gonna walk through a number of scriptures today. Romans chapter five, as you start in verse one. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, that's declared righteous through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access, it's by faith, into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. We are all in the body of Christ by grace, an undeserved gift, through faith in Jesus Christ. There's no other way to be in the body. And then that security in Romans 8, verse one, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you've made some big time mistakes and you struggle with guilt and shame or you feel second rate, this is a verse to memorize and let's sink in. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This security in Romans chapter eight, verses 38 and 39, what do we see? For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And as you receive that truth, you're secure. Who could separate you from the love of Christ? If God is for you, who can be against you? Galatians chapter four, verses six and seven. And do you see how this scripture overcomes? We all have feelings of insecurities and doubts and fears, and the scripture is the answer. God keeps saying it in different ways. Because you are his sons, his sons and daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. You're in God's family forever. This is a family relationship with Father God. And we are God's children. We are heirs. You have an inheritance that's eternal, that's kept for you. It's, a, it's an incredible inheritance. If you got a glimpse of it right now, you'd be fired up. If there was a heaven cam and you got a glimpse of what's coming, you'd get a little excited. You might even start singing or dancing, but we don't want to get too wild. So let's not focus on that for too long. But if you could see the inheritance that God's already given to you right now, Zephaniah chapter three, verse 17, as if it's not good enough, what else does God say? The Lord your God is mighty with you, the mighty warrior who saves he will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. The image in my mind comes to when our kids were just in the crib and so little and putting them to bed at night and just singing over them with such delight. These are our kids. We get to parent these kids and with joy singing over them. Is that an image you have of God? 
that he's so delighted in you, he likes you so much, he's so thrilled with who you are that he sings over you, he gets excited about you, he has joy because of you and the relationship with you. Do you receive that today? I'm not saying it's all about you, it isn't all about you, but there is plenty to receive from God. This glorifies God when you receive his love. It shifts our perspective. Some of us have a false view of God. We need to come back to what scripture says. What God says, there's a verse as Jesus is baptized in Matthew chapter three, verse 17, and the father declares this affirmation, a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. Isn't that the desire of every child, daughter or son, to hear that from their parent? That, that I am loved, I, I am, my, my parent, uh, is proud of me in the good sense of the word proud. And not only earthly parent, but that's a picture pointing up to our heavenly father for how much more when our heavenly father says, and as he says this to Jesus, we see the power of the blessing and the voice that carries out that affirmation. And what you see on a human level is the blessing of the father. When you look at the patriarchs, there's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and it's significant when the dad is blessing the children. It's significant to speak and pray that blessing. Don't miss it uh, when Jacob is blessing the 12. Don't miss it when Moses speaks up and he is declaring blessings. There's blessings with obedience. He also gives the challenge that if you disobey, all right, there's consequences, but the blessings of obedience, and he speaks blessings. Again, the spoken blessings. Paul will speak blessings over these churches and people he loves as he writes the epistles and the letters. These blessings that come, it's important first to receive them from God, and then it's important to declare them and to share them. The next generation, bless the next generation. I wanna talk for a minute to parents, but anyone who is serving, connecting with the next generation, how you bless them is very important. Now, when it comes to parenting, I was reading these two different approaches. There's a deficit approach and a strengths approach. A deficit approach for a parent is to really overfocus on the flaws of the child, the mistakes of the child, the shortcomings of the child, the immaturity of the child, and then to continue to dwell on that, talk about that, make that a really big deal. And the more you focus on their mess ups and their sins, the smaller they become. And it can be harsh, it can be unintentional, but it ends up being cruel, and it's a deficit approach, and maybe you receive that when you were a kid, but you pass that on, their flaws, their errors, and you just drive that thing home way too much, and you even sometimes rationalize it around scripture, but it's not what scripture says to do. It's this belittling that just takes away the dignity and respect of a person. That's a, a deficit approach. A strengths approach is to build up. Now, it includes rebukes, it includes tough love, it includes limits, but it's to build up. How has God made this child? The strengths, the gifts, the personality, the talents, the calling, the purpose, is to recognize that, to encourage in that. As you build up your child, uh, there's been lots of studies, and you can, in your own time, look at some of these, but more important than commenting on the child's looks, don't get duped into thinking that's 
the main compliment to give to a child. That, that's what happens in the world. Everything's about the appearance. But encourage the child in their character. Encourage the child in their effort and their decision-making. And then most of all, encourage the child in the relationship with God. Help the child understand how God sees them. Help the child know that you are loved, that you are special, because God's made you. You have a maker. God is faithful to you. God is kind to you. God is gracious to you. God didn't make a mistake with you. God has gifted you. So that connection with God gets strengthened through your affirmations. And that's most important as you're building up a child and the strength and the security of their relationship with God. This is not flattery. This is not empty praise. This is repeating the affirmations of scripture with people we love. And it's recognizing who they are in Christ, that they're made in God's image. And it's building them up to be all God's designed them to be, not self-consumption, not self-absorption, but instead of security, knowing that they are loved by God in God's family. That's what children are looking for today. They're searching, they're scrambling for that. Where do I find some of that? You find it in the word, you find it abiding with Jesus. Hebrews chapter six, verses 18 and 19 says it this way, God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Now, Hebrews in that book, all kinds of imagery of the temple, here's what this says in its essence. Because of God's character, he's faithful, he keeps his promises, his loyal love, his chesed. Because of God's goodness, we are secure. We are secure and we have hope and we have joy because we abide with God, we rest on his word and out of that, we have an anchor for our souls. In a world of false teaching, in a world of trials where the wind and waves wants to blow us around, we have an anchor for our souls. And this anchor, our rock is Jesus Christ. His word is true and dependable. And we are not blown and tossed about like everyone else uh, in terms of anxiety and just wondering where are we going to find any solace around here. We have an anchor for our souls. And it comes back again to this security because you already belong. When you put your trust in Christ, you already belong to God's family. You are secure. Do you know what a difference that made in my life? My, my life was focused on performance, grades and sports, soccer. I had a great game. I'd go up. I had a bad game. I would just sink. And my performance would consume me. I didn't have God in my life. But when you start to have a security in God, the pressure comes off because you know your identity is not linked to your performance. And you have a security that whether you win or lose the game, play well or let in a terrible goal, you have a security, I have a security that no one can take away. Well, what about friends? Friends are an incredible blessing. Enjoy the friendships, pursue your friendships. At the same time, if there's no friends around, I'm good, shalom. I mean, we live in a generation right now, it's just like this. You know what I'm doing? <laughs> Phone in front of my face, swipe, 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 swipe. Okay, who's out there? Who's talking to me? What are you doing? What's the short? Like, they're just like this all the time. 
searching, finding, what's next? Where do I go? Where do I turn? And I sometimes wonder if we set that thing down for like three days, how would we feel? Yeah, pretty great. Some people have done it. They're testifying. We never heard so many testimonies break out spontaneously on Sunday morning. If you set that down for three days, are you secure? Do you have shalom? Do you know that you're accepted? You're in God's family. You have peace with God. You and God. Do you have that contentment? That's the security right here. Well, what about money? I don't know about you, but I know what it's like to have none. I know what it's like to have a little. I know what it's like to have plenty. The money didn't drive the contentment. It was never about the money. It's about this security in God based on his word, his promises. You say, what about the trials of life, the trauma when people wrong you, the pain, the loss, the disappointment? I'm telling you, there's a security deeper than all that. Even when that runs deep, there's a deeper security. You gotta go there with the Lord. Receive from the Lord. Let God's word renew your minds. Change your soul. Don't stay shallow. Don't drift. Go to God's faithfulness, his presence. That's where you're gonna find it. God is inviting. God is confirming. God is affirming his truth, always full of truth, always full of love. There's a deep security available to us, to the Corinthians. I mean, as you look through the different churches that Paul's writing to, I don't know if anyone's blowing it quite like the Corinthians are in terms of following Jesus, abiding daily. And yet these promises, these truths are for the Corinthians because it's not about their performance. It's about the goodness of God. Let that sink in today. For, for some of you been walking with Jesus a long time, you're like, well, I already know these things. I can't tell you how often in one-on-one -on -one conversations or in counseling that someone knows these things in their head, but it hasn't sunk to their heart and their soul. And they're really not that secure, even though they've been in church for decades. So what I'm saying today might not be new, but there might be a fresh depth and application that God wants to bring. And it leads to the second affirmation. This is about diversity. And the truth is you are an original and that's good and it's not by accident. In verse 17, we read this. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? You are an original. God celebrates this diversity. There's two levels, individual diversity. We are all unique. Your thumbnail, this thumbprint right here, uh, this thumbprint is just a little example that no one in the world is like you. This is just a reminder that God made you that special. No one in the world is just like you. So if God's made you so wonderfully, don't go around just trying to be someone else, but instead get comfortable in who God made you and how you're unique and your voice and your story. God celebrates individual uniqueness and he also celebrates the diversity, the global diversity of the body of Christ. We don't need to resist it or put it down or try to get above someone else or look down upon someone else. We are all equal together, following Jesus together. And it's a beautiful diversity. It takes all of the diversity of the nations and cultures to get a more accurate view of the glory of God.
There is beauty in the diversity. There's intentionality in the diversity. The diversity is a gift from God. Don't fight it and resist it. Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14 remind us we have a benevolent maker. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. See, there's some truths in this verse you wanna let sink in. That we have a maker. We are wonderfully made, all of us. We are all made in God's image. And God has knit us together. That's powerful to know that you have a relationship with your maker, your creator, and he designed who you are. This is not big bang theory, accident, by chance, random. No, very personal. The Bible says you are a masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. That's not to lead to pride and that you would be over-focused on yourself. It's to give you a healthy sense that you have a maker who's done a great work when he designed you. And to let that sink in. In Jeremiah chapter one, verse five, God says it to Jeremiah this way, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Let that sink in. God knew you before he formed you. And I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. God has a purpose and a plan for your life that he knew before you knew anything. Before you were breathing, he had a plan and purpose. And he infuses his passion into your soul and lights your soul on fire as you align with this truth. Isaiah chapter 64, verse eight. Yet you, Lord, are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. That might sound like a simple truth. We are the clay, you are the potter. Imagine if that sunk in in our culture. Don't we like to flip that? God, we're the potter, you're the clay. God, we will make you in our image. We will become who we wanna be. There's no limits with us. We're calling the shots. That is not scripture. That is not from God. God is the potter. We are the clay. He shapes, he guides, he leads. When we lead, we mess it up. When Jesus leads, it's glorious. We need to trust his leadership. Let God be God. We have a culture where people are trying to change everything just so I like me and people like me and I'll be who I wanna be. Well, life isn't about being who we wanna be and trying to figure out how people will like me. It's about receiving and knowing our maker and then being all God's designed us to be. And as we go through that process, that frees us from envy and jealousy and comparison. How often do you just start comparing? And have you ever noticed how much joy and peace that steals? Do you ever envy what people have, their marriages, their families, their appearances, their bank accounts, their jobs, their houses? Do you ever start to become jealous of other people, any part of their lives, financially, materially, relationally, spiritually? Do you struggle with that? Like, come back to God. God wants to free you of that burden. You don't need to carry that burden anymore. You are an original. God leads you personally. God will guide you. Trust God. In these affirmations, what I'm not saying today 
is that sin is okay. What I'm not saying today is that sin is no big deal. Because some people will say, well, God just affirms everything. And they'll say, that's just me. <laughs> no, if you're rude, if you're harsh, if you're selfish, if you're choosing impure stuff, that's not rationalized, that's not swept under the carpet, that's not like, well, that's just me, I'm just gonna do that anyways. No, that's time to grow. The Holy Spirit convicts. God changes us to be more like Christ with his love and truth. So this is not a blank check to just say, well, whatever I want, however I wanna live, that's just me, so deal with it. No, this is in the context of all of us becoming more like Christ and what God is doing in that process. Sanctification, growth, becoming more like Christ. It's not to remove anything that is linked with sin. Sin, we never want, it's never from God. So I'm not saying that you leave today and, and with your sin or your bad attitude or your selfishness say, I got affirmations today, I'm just gonna be me. No, we're, we're not going out doing that one. Uh, what I am saying is that the key is to listen to God and to listen to his word more than you listen to your own voice, more than you listen to the voice online of other people or even the people closest to you and you start to receive what God says. There's one person in the Bible of many who struggle with this. Gideon is his name. In Judges chapter six, we have an unfortunate situation where the Midianites and the Amalekites are invading. They're coming to ravage. You know, just the images of the last few weeks kind of remind us of what was happening at that time and what they would do and the ravaging. And the, the Israelites would cry out to God and then God would raise up a deliverer and they would cry out to God. God would speak to the people. And he says in Judges chapter six, verse 12, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Notice what he says. First, security, that God is with you. There's no greater security than God's presence. And then what else? Mighty warrior. That is not how Gideon saw himself. In fact, he had a conversation with God about that. Do you ever have a conversation with God about what he says about you? Do you ever try to talk him out of what he's saying about you? Oh, no, I'm not, God. No, I'm not a mighty warrior. And Gideon says, you know, look what's happening with the Midianites. Look what they do to us. And then he tells God, God, my family is like the least of the clans. And within my family, I'm the least of my family. Does God ever say something to you that's here and you say, oh, no, 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 God, it's here. You ever have a gap like that? God says, I'm with you. You're a mighty warrior. There's gonna be a deliverance. There's gonna be a victory. The Midianites, no, they can't keep doing this. People need to return to me. No more idolatry. Listen to me, trust me. Gideon, I'm gonna raise you up. There's gonna be a victory. And Gideon's like, oh, no, there's not, God. Not me. You got the wrong guy. There must be another Gideon in the camp because this Gideon is the least of my family and we're the least of the clans. And I know there's a few other Gideons. You probably got the wrong address. Let, let me forward this to the other Gideons. No, God knows who he's talking to. And there's a shift. Gideon, I've made you for such a time as this. Gideon, I've known you since before you were born. Gideon, I've given you every gift. I know every single thing about the Amalekites and the Midianites. Gideon, your name is on this. Gideon, I'm with you. Gideon, there's gonna be victory. Gideon, trust me in this. When you have a security of who you are in the Lord, 
and you know he's made you very uniquely like nobody else, God is gonna start to guide you, remind you, confirm, affirm, and as he does that, your eyes are gonna be open to his purposes. You're gonna start to say yes because your confidence isn't in yourself. What's happening right here is Gideon is saying, God, I don't have the confidence in me to do what you're calling me to do. And God is saying, exactly, Gideon. Your confidence can't be, shouldn't be, won't be in you. I'm asking you to shift and place your confidence in me and make me first and then agree and receive who I've called you to be. And when Gideon does that, the whole battle changes. How many of you know that God wants to do an inner work in you before there's an outer work and the fruit that's gonna come? It's the deep inner work that precedes the outer work. And if you try to rush into the outer work without the inner work, it might not go so well. But when you get alone and listen to God in those shifts and that repentance and you line up with his word and his plan, now you're empowered and you move forward in a whole different way. And as if Gideon didn't get the point, God just said, nope, army's too big, make it smaller. Ah, still too big, make it smaller. I mean, Gideon is like, okay, God, All I've got is you. All I've got is your word. And the whole time, God's not sweating. He's like, yeah, that's all you need. You just need me and my word. That's the whole point here. He's getting exactly where God designed him to be. It's a beautiful affirmation. It's a beautiful confirmation. We all get stuck or go backwards or go sideways until we listen close to God's assessment, God's perspective, God's confirmations, God's affirmations. And when we receive those, now we have a boldness and a courage because we know we're not alone, but our confidence is in God. God wants to support us consistently, personally. Don't be stuck. Receive the word of the Lord today. Think about your objections today. Let God obliterate your objections like Gideon so that you can move forward trusting God. And as you do that, that security, it comes from God. It's not gonna come from just you trusting yourself more. And it's gonna need to be stronger than just your friends say, you can do it, you can do it. When the tests come, and they will, you need to know that you know that God is with you, God has called you, and you're gonna do it by faith. That shift right there. For the Corinthians, this is gonna be big because they're in a culture that's so anti-God. The more that our culture becomes anti-Jesus and anti-Scripture, the more these affirmations stand out. Because you're not gonna have the same cheering section you had 30 years ago. 30 years ago, hey, let's open up the stadium. Let's all pour into the stadium. Praise is breaking out across America in every stadium. Well, now if you look at the numbers, what's happened the last 20 years, the people with no religious affiliation those numbers have skyrocketed. And if you haven't noticed nationally, we're at the top of those numbers here. So in that kind of a context and culture, you know that you need to really hear from God. Because when you know God's in it, then you know it's worth it and you know it's good. And it leads to this third part, intentionality, this third affirmation, you are personally placed by God. And as you look at verse 18, and 
God says this, um, leading up to it, but in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body, personally placed. Look at Ephesians chapter one, verses 22 and 23. And God placed all things under his feet, Jesus, and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, the body of Christ, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Notice, Jesus is the head, he has a body. We are the body. He's placed everything under his feet. That means that the body of Christ has been given a place of leadership. Every one of us positioned in the body, given a place of stewardship and leadership that in this world, God has called us to shine his light in every domain where we live, work, learn, or play. And that's a calling that's an incredible opportunity, honor, privilege. It's the truth of your calling. You are in Christ. God has placed everything under Jesus and his body. Let God lead you so that you can lead, whether it's your workplace, your home, your community, lead them in the love and light of Jesus. Well, what does this look like practically played out? In Acts chapter 16, verses nine and 10. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God has called us to preach the gospel to them. God is gonna lead you to specific places, to dark places, to come shine the light. The darkness in that place doesn't minimize your calling. Don't let it intimidate you. Instead, go to where God leads and shine the light boldly. Now, what else? In Jonah chapter one, verses one through three, because some of us want to resist the placement of God, look at how the book of Jonah starts. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. Probably all of us have a Nineveh where God calls us and we don't really want to go. Because of its wickedness has come up before me, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish, the exact opposite direction. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship, board for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Jonah's gonna go through a lot because rebellion always has a high cost. But then look at Jonah chapter three, two chapters later, the exact same words to start with. God gives him a reset. God gives us another opportunity. The calling that God put on your life, he's gonna come back to you and say it's still there. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. It's the exact same words. In Jonah 1 and chapter three, God doesn't change the call. This time Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. 120,000 people are gonna turn to God in Nineveh specific assignments, what God has called you to do. Uh, let's take a look at, um, let's go to Mark chapter five for time. And this is a demoniac. Jesus delivered from many demons. This man's now in his right mind, a healing. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people. How often does God say, start at home? Start at home with your faith. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed. 
This man thought he would travel the world and Jesus said, nope, 10 cities, your family, start right here. Let God redirect you. He knows where to place you. And whether you're looking at Peter and the centurion, um, you've got uh, Philip in the Ethiopian. In the book of Acts, one of the reasons I love the books of Acts is because you see how God personally places. He knows the situations. He knows the words. He knows the cities. He knows the approach. And if you trust the Holy Spirit, God is the one who will lead and guide his church. It'll be beautiful, the transformation that happens in the world. The key for us is to be tuned into the Holy Spirit and saying yes to God. He personally places you. You're not there by accident. You're gonna make it better for the glory of God. God is gonna be revealed in you, through you, and beyond you. You're not there by mistake. Be faithful to God and trust his plan. And the emphasis here is always the whole body of Christ. It's never half the body. It's never 20% of the body. It's never 75% of the body. With all of these things today, it's always the fullness of the body. God's presence filling our lives, filling our homes, filling our souls. The fullness of the body coming alive, deeply secure, comfortable in our own skin, made in God's image, finding our voice, knowing our gifts, knowing how he's wired us, and then saying yes and God placing us. And whether you're a plumber, a teacher, a doctor, whatever direction God leads you, global, global or local, wherever God leads you, this truth today, these affirmations and confirmations stand. And I think it'd be fitting right now if I just, first of all, uh, a couple of affirmations for our church family right here. Uh, I want to affirm Grace Community Church uh, in, in this way. First, that we believe God's word and we are a church with the scripture. And that's true in every expression today. In every classroom, every age, uh, we are committed to God's word and it's been that way our entire existence and it'll always stay that way in Jesus' name. We are committed and you are committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus died for our sins and he's risen and this is through grace, faith in Christ, in Christ alone. And that truth, I just so grateful to be in a church family. I don't take that for granted in 2023, that that commitment to the word and to the gospel. You say, well, what else? Uh, what do you think of in our church? I'm so grateful for the community in our church, life groups at our church. It, it shows us there's such a hunger to grow here spiritually. Because in a life group, that's beyond this weekend. That's a second gathering where you go deep in friendships, you go deep in the word, and all of us have full schedules. So to make time to value those relationships, that fellowship, that community, that depth, that growth, like this is a church family that's hungry to grow or else nobody would sign up or be interested in life groups. Uh, well, what else? This is a church family that serves. You look at the hundreds and hundreds of people who are serving. Like this is not a passive group that just sits back and watches and waits for someone else to do all the serving. Like this is a group that rolls up its sleeves and a church family that gets after it and uses their gifts for the Lord. You say, well, well what else? This is a generous church. Uh, we have no debt. Praise God. Praise God. This is a church where there's, there's faithful stewardship and tithing and generosity and sensitive to the Holy Spirit. 
This is a church that is local for over 70 years. Praise God, all glory to God, for over 70 years, shining a light in Auburn and in the region. Meeting needs in the community hasn't changed for 70 years. Globally, international partners, partnerships, digital ministry, bringing the gospel to over a billion people. Like there's a passion here to love and bless the world, sponsoring kids in Cambodia. You could go down the line. That's really healthy. There's a, a serving in leadership. And I say this just as a testimony. I've walked with the elders the last eight years, deacons, deaconesses, staff, about 200 leaders in our church. There's a culture of servant leadership, serving. We're here to serve. That's what we're called to do. And I'm grateful for the authenticity of the leadership and the, the unity. When I think of the elders, the unity, there is a lot to celebrate at Grace Community Church. Are there flaws? Yes. Are we growing? Yes. Do we wanna tuck anything under the carpet? No. Like, are, are we committed to, you know, abiding with Jesus together and figuring out what that looks like? Absolutely. Uh, but I think it's important sometimes, as Paul would do with these different churches, the Corinthians, the Ephesians, to stop and say, look what God has done. To God be the glory. We're grateful for what he's done, and we wanna thank you, God, for your goodness. We're gonna close with this, um, and I brought a guitar string. Torn Wells uh, shared this, and I thought this so fits into what we're talking about with being connected. I have a guitar string. Uh, I can't play guitar, so David's gonna come join me right now. This is an elixir, great tone, long life, ultra-thin, nano-web coating, phosphor bronze acoustic guitar string, 0.032. It's very specific, right? Very specific, you have been designed by God. And this guitar string right here has so much purpose. And yes, it starts out in a sleeve, and in this case, but it's not designed to stay here. This is not where the guitar string is gonna get connected. It's not gonna be in a sleeve. No, it's easy to stay in a cocoon. It's easy to stay in what's comfortable. It's easy to say no and shut the door and it's just about me right here. But this guitar string's made for so much more. And it's not gonna happen until the guitar string comes out of the sleeve. And that takes faith, that's a risk. Now, this guitar string, it's also not designed to be on the ground and be trampled upon. It's not designed just to kind of hold on to it like this or even wear it as a necklace. Like it's got a very specific purpose and the purpose won't be fulfilled alone. A guitar string cannot fulfill its purpose alone. Now, when you think about a guitar, there's a head, the head of the guitar, and this string is designed to be connected to the head. You see the parallel? Jesus Christ is the head of the body and we're designed to be connected to Jesus. And then if it was only connected to the head, you'd say, well, there's more to it than that. that that's not gonna play much music alone or just kind of floating. So it needs to get connected to the body. There's the body of the guitar connected to the head, connected to the body. There's a purpose bigger than just what this guitar string can do alone. You are connected to a purpose far bigger 
than what you can just do alone. And you might say it's limiting to be, you know, connected and connected and it's not limiting, it's liberating. Because again, God's plan and purpose begins to flow in your life. You say, well, it's not easy to get connected. The head is a little easier, but the body, that's hard. Have you ever tried to get connected to the body? It's difficult sometimes. There's tension, isn't there? You ever notice that? In marriage, there's tension. Here's the person you covenant with, love, your closest human relationship. You give your deepest commitment. And what happens after that? There's tension. Because you got two people and two wills and two perspectives and two styles and two systems of folding laundry. I mean, there's tension. <laughs> and yet that tension is completely necessary. Without that tension, there's gonna be no music because we sharpen each other, we learn from each other, we serve each other, we bring out the best in each other. So if you're not connected to the head and you're not connected to the body, it's like, where's the song? Where's the song? It's time for a new song in the church in America. It is time for a new song. Our, our songs have been looking kind of like this and you can try to play something and sing something, but you just know like that's not the song of unity and love and truth and scripture and we're just not connected to the head and to the body like we could. Let that sink in today. Let his affirmations, confirmations sink in as we pray and then we're gonna sing. Father, do a new song, a new work, a new hope, a new freedom in our lives. Break us out of the cultural modes. Break us out of stubbornness and selfishness. Heal where there's been trauma. Bring great relationships where there's been destructive ones. God, we offer ourselves to you. Thank you for the deep security that you bring. Thank you, God, that you've made us unique. Thank you, you've called us to connect and you've called us with great purpose that this world will be transformed. Jesus, you are our cornerstone, and we honor you. We pray in your name, amen.